It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. <laughs> Welcome back to Restless, a little REM for you right here, classic 90s tune. I'm Father Joseph, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined myself. Of course you've joined myself, I just introduced myself. <laughs> Diane, Lauren, and Matt, as today, as us young adults restlessly seek the face of God in the midst of today's crazy and mixed up world. And boy, we do, we live in a crazy and mixed up world, right? And uh, this world is going to come to an end at some point, sadly or happily. I'm not sure how you feel about it. But as Christians, as Catholics, we believe that and we profess that uh, every time we say the creed. You know, we say that you know, Christ will come again and it's in our liturgy all the time. It's, you know, it's just something we believe. But what do you think about when you think about the apocalypse? Like, is it overwhelming? Is it frighten you? Is it? I think it's tempting to be. Yeah, it's tempting to be uh, scary, you know, because you've got like the Hollywood version, mm. which is just like everything goes up in flames at once. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to go up in flames. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think anytime I do think of it, uh, if if my original reaction is that maybe that of fear, I have to like calm myself down a little bit, maybe, mm. you know. My reaction is just usually saying, you know, Lord Jesus, come soon, but not before Friday because I've got plans. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. I'm always like, yes, Lord, come. But then like, like, but no, but next year, but like maybe later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the unknown just in general is scary. So, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with our lives. We don't know whether the end of the age is going to happen while we're alive. But just in general, I think it's a human it's a natural human sort of emotion, I guess, to be afraid of of the unknown. And the, apoco the apocalypse is sure the unknown. I mean, we really yeah. don't know how that's going to play out. It certainly is, because you look, read the book of Revelation, and it's not a play-by-play. -play. It's very symbolic. and Yeah. I don't know. You study theology. Did you study the book of Revelation? <laughs> no, we have not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Bible in a year to uh, get to the yes. book of Revelation yes, to definitely. get a mm. better understanding of that for the first time in my life. Yeah. Have you been following that uh, podcast? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't. You should only follow Restless. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I follow Restless too. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> if I, by following you mean like 85 days behind, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I only have, I guess, uh, fragments of what the apocalypse is going to be and the second coming of Christ. Um, and I'm sorry if my voice sounds weird. I kind of lost it right before we met to uh, record today. Um, but I have been to the Holy Land um, in the, you know, the Valley of Armageddon, mm. it's like on the way to Mount Tabor. And we had this, you know, discussion on the bus, like we will all be gathered here one day together. Wow. And it's like, well, here, like literally this spot. And you know, you're like, what's it going to be like? I, I don't know. That's a sobering thought. I, at least I think that's what's going to happen. I may be misremembering, but. Yeah, no, that's definitely a sobering thought. I don't know if you, any of you ever read the book called the Lord of the world. No, no. Pope Francis recommends it. It was written in, in like 1913, I think by um, some British dude. And it's about the end of the world. And it's really interesting because it, it has that beautiful, that battle b between God and Satan on that uh, Armageddon field. It's the very last scene. It has, I think it has the best closing line of any book I've ever read. Because the, the ending is like satisfying and it's not satisfying because it's, it's it, you know, they're fighting this battle. And then all of a sudden God just comes and ends it. And the last line of the book is, and thus passes the world and the glory of it. 
And I always thought that's a powerful line. Like, wow, that's, that's, that's it. Everything we thought was so important just dissolved like sand. It's nothing. It's all going to end. But we have the new heaven and the new earth. True. True. So I think about that a lot. What is that going to be like? And what do you think? And how do we, like, how, do we, how are we going to live for eternity? Yeah. You know, in our glorified bodies. What are we going to be doing? What will our relationships be like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so easy. Like when you do, to your point, Lauren, focus on like the new heavens and the new earth. Um, it kind of changes the way that you think about all of the, you know, problems and you know issues that you have in in your day to day life. And like, am I actually trusting in God's plan? Am I living for? Am I truly living in union with Him and for Him? Um, because at the end of the day, you're right. It's the world dissolves in a second. Like that's just uh, it's a sobering thought, but it kind of, it does help you to, um, I guess, focus on what's important for eternity. Yeah. That's where eternity takes place. Yeah. That's where your mind's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is so stuck here. <laughs> so father Joseph, you might, you might have, uh, you might be waiting to ask this question, but why do you think that a lot of priests, you know, in homilies and things, you don't really hear them talk too much about the second coming of Christ. And you don't, I don't know. I think some people are obsessed with the apocalypse and just, you know, it's just like an excitement or maybe it's the unknown. You want to figure it out. But um, why do you think that is that people are not talking about that? Well, truthfully, I think truthfully, I think it goes all the way back to the enlightenment and because there's, there was a heresy that arose in the Enlightenment that is still very prevalent in our church today, and it's a heresy called modernism. And modernism is basically, in a nutshell, it's the denial of the supernatural aspect of religion. And you hear that a lot, you know, maybe not so much in, in the circles that we run in, but in, in many, most Catholic churches, you rarely hear about heaven or hell or the afterlife or ultimate salvation or ultimate meaning. You really just hear about you know, loving your neighbor here on earth and social justice and things that are very terrestrial, very earthly. Mm-hmm. And all those things are important, but obviously they're not gold. There's not the end. And, and so... Um, this heresy of modernism was condemned by the church over and over and over again, and it's still very prevalent, which is just you know, basically saying you know, the whole point of faith is just about here and now. And when, when it's just about here and now, and it's just about making people feel good and comforted and, and you, know, just, you, know, you feel warm and fuzzy because you have Jesus in your life, then you're not really thinking much about the grand scheme of eternity and, and kind of what salvation history is leading up to, which is Christ's second coming. Have you guys ever heard any homilies on this? Or? From you. Well, <laughs> once or twice. Advent. I never heard that as a kid growing up. Advent was always focused on Christmas. And then at St. John's, you know, uh, that's when I first learned this is also about the second coming of Christ. And I thought, wow, we should be talking about this more. But one thing I can say, though, is like, I don't know who said this, but when I was like a small child, at church on Sunday, I knew about the second coming of Christ, and I would always be at Mass, like, maybe Christ will come today. And in my little child brain, it was like Jesus would come through the doors of our church. Mm. And I had this, like, uplifting thought about that, like, wow, wouldn't it be great if he showed up today? Yeah, right. But when Jesus comes again, would you, are you ready to see him? Are you ready to, you know, be like, yes, Lord, welcome? Or are you like, dude, I got unfinished business I got to go to confession. I got to do this or that. Well, I think it's definitely something that you need to like, 
it's it's really important to think about because whether or not, I mean, hopefully you're in a state of grace and you're not in a state of mortal sin. I mean, I would just advise that everyone, you know, like don't wait till tomorrow to confess your mortal sin because you might not have tomorrow. But um, at the same, like whether, even if you're in a state of grace and you're going to mass daily and you're praying faithfully and, and everything, there's there's always like that question I think that you have to ask is like, am I like, is my life completely conformed to Christ? And I don't know that anyone can necessarily answer that question. Like, am I giving, do I completely trust in his will for my life? Is my will completely unified with his? Um, there's always something to like be, there, there's always something more yeah. that you can do. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, as we're talking about it, I'm thinking about, uh, that this this thought will will you know pop in my mind of you know what if it's soon, and as much as I I, I don't know if the right thing to say necessarily as much as I wish it wasn't uh, because it is a good thing that I, I'm I'm getting married next summer, I my thought immediately jumps to like oh man you know like I'm uh, that is that is something that I like I'm really looking forward to, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I often. And I, and I actually think maybe the word is often, you know, like, cause it does happen probably once a week that for whatever reason that pops in my head. Uh, and, and I have come to a place where I say, you know, whatever your will is, yeah, you know, cause, cause, cause I know that it's good that I'm looking forward to my marriage and the, that that's great, you know, but if Jesus decides to show up on July 8th and get married on July 9th, you know, then that's that, you know, like, yeah, there's the, yeah. the, this submission, I suppose. Uh, do you want to move your marriage up like six months? <laughs> yeah, I tried to convince her for November, but, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, uh, and, and, uh, just to go back to, uh, hearing about it in homilies, uh, I think maybe I hear, you know, I, I've heard, or at least maybe since being an adult and paying attention is the best way to put it, mm. uh, about, you know, eternal salvation and, and having that be the goal. But I can't remember growing up hearing about uh, the second coming of Christ and even specifically as an adult now, yeah, you know, that particular event as opposed to just, you know, this is for heaven. Yeah. 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 So like be straight up honest, right? Like, especially with what's going on in the world with wars and natural disasters and coronavirus. A lot of people have been talking to me about like, I wondered if Jesus is coming soon. Has that like crossed your mind? Yes. Oh yeah. I think we're starting to see the steps towards the end of time. I mean, even if you just look at how people are giving up their freedoms. Mm, that's and true. Isn't it that there will be less individual freedoms before the second coming? I think it's safe to say that. Yeah. So I just think there are signs and it's like, I don't want to jump in like head deep because there's always been people who thought, oh, it's going to happen now. You know, it's like around the corner. It's next year. Well, I got to start. Just uh, in our lifetime, we had the year 2000, we had 2012, <laughs> we had 2018. It was supposed yeah. to end all right. those times and it right. hasn't ended yet. Right. And there are the people that store up on like the food and supplies. <laughs> that was, that like, was my family. <laughs> For Y2K, we had like three months worth of food in our basement. Wow. That's funny. It was great. But I don't think we should jump to that, but just be aware of what's going on in the world because we have been warned. Yeah. We know what's coming. So, I mean, all you can really do is get yourself ready, I think, personally. And if you are not ready to face God, 
that maybe says something about where your spiritual life is because we are made to know, love, and serve him. Mm-hmm. This is our ultimate end. This is what our true happiness is. So if there's some kind of fear there, like working on that now is probably what's most important for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it brings to light just thinking about it too, like a lot of the attachments that we have to things, created things. And so it's an opportunity to kind of purify ourselves from those. Like, am I, am I loving God for his like blessings and his consolation or am I loving God for him? And is God ultimately enough? Like God has to be, God is the fulfillment of all of our desires. So there's nothing on earth, whether a good marriage or whatever, like if we're, if we're looking for that sort of security and happiness outside of him, I mean, it's just, it's an opportunity to kind of reflect on like how much purification we actually need mm-hmm. from those, even things that are good, you know, like just how, how goods can become disordered, um, so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One, one, oh, go ahead, Matt. Uh, I, I just was thinking about, uh, I, I, uh, and I don't want to mess it up, but I, I believe there, there's a warning from Fatima, right? That the, the final battle sort of between uh god and satan would be over family and marriage right? yes that was sister lucia that said that and yeah. so when i first heard that I'm, I'm pretty sure my next words were like oh shoot you know like <laughs> we're kind I, of in the middle I know of what's it. going on right now uh and so when i you know if any time this this topic does come up that's where mine goes my mind goes immediately because mm. like we are living in it right now 100 percent it is true that, I mean, the, this is really the first time in history that the family has been under such attack that I can think of. I mean, there's always been sin throughout the world. There's been murder and violence and hatred. But for the first time when girls think they're boys and boys think they're girls, like, that's something really fundamental. And yeah. it goes, it attacks all the way back to Genesis, you know, Genesis chapter one, when God created us male and female. And so you see this, this image and likeness of God being totally deformed. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. One thing Lauren said, I think, is uh, a really good point. The, the end is not a moment, but a process. You know, so there's several steps kind of leading up mm. to the end. And one of those steps that we can see not only in Scripture, but also in the tradition of the church is the Antichrist. Mm. So well, first of all, what do you know about the Antichrist? And do you think he or she might be alive today? Is it a person? Is it an idea? What do you all think? I don't know very much uh, about the Antichrist. Uh, I know that there's, there, I think actually for a long time, I thought it was, and, and again, probably as like a younger person, you know, but I think I thought it was just like a, a secular thing. Like mm. I thought it was like a made up uh, story, mm. you know, that, that like a Dan Brown thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's absolutely real. And there's going to be a singular person that leads a lot of people away from the faith and the church. Yeah. Yeah, for the record, I'm not. I'm not saying I don't believe it's real. I'm just saying that I don't think I realized. Yeah, it was real. Yeah, yeah. I think the Book of Revelation talks about this Antichrist ruling for 42 months. So I, I think that's an imitation of the amount of time that Jesus spent in his um, ministry. Oh, interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. So it's true. Um, and the Catechism says that. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist, a pseudo-Messianism by which man glorifies himself in place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. So, yeah, whether it's a person, but also I think it's just the spirit of the Antichrist too, right? Of like deification of self and pride um, and lack of trust in God and that like uh, disunion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like like, uh, not to get like overly philosophical, right? But but, 
uh, reductionalism, right? Is that what it is? Reductionism, maybe? Uh, materialism, that everything comes down to atoms. Like there's, there are people that have, you know, I believe his name is Carl Sager, said, I'm just a, I'm just a group of atoms named Carl Sager. Mm. You know, like that is my origin, that I'm just a bunch of molecules. Yeah. Uh, and if that is not just outright denial, you know, of any, any uh, God whatsoever. So it's really just modernism to its, to its extreme, which is there, you know, there is no supernatural. Right. It's just, mm-hmm. everything's just pure natural. I, I do not think that Andrew Cuomo is the Antichrist, but he did say, he did say, <laughs> although more and more he's looking, no, no, no. <laughs> ah, what a transition. Sorry. sorry. But, but there, I just remember during the coronavirus pandemic, when finally the numbers were starting to come down in New York, he got up and said in a press conference, God did not do this. Science did this. We did this. And I just remember that statement just kind of jumping out at me. It's like just pit, pitting God against humanity as if we don't need God because we have science, because we have ourselves. And that's the thing. A lot of people think the Antichrist is going to be this mass murderer or somebody who's like violent. or No, it's actually going to be somebody who's not only very rational, so someone who's very well-spoken, somebody who's everyone respects, somebody who's, you know, just nobody would expect them to be the Antichrist. And that's how they can deceive so many is that they look for all intents and purposes, like someone who heals the world, who Pete talks about mm. peace, who brings people together and warring tribes. And, and you're going to see all these good things that look like miracles, but they're only on the human level, not on the supernatural divine level. Mm. Yeah. And this whole idea of like separation from God, um, like the society today, I think just emphasizes so much autonomy and self-preservation. You know, you have all these older women and men kind of doing faceless and everything. It's all about sort of like self-preservation and wanting to control things. And ultimately, I mean, I guess that is the spirit of the Antichrist and, mm. and the times of this like utter lack of knowledge or belief in a dependence on on God who sustains them. Have you ever heard of the transhumanism movement? No. So transhumanism is this philosophy and, and, and science whereby people are trying to transcend humanity by replacing body parts with digital body parts, mm-hmm. you know? So if, so if you, you know, you develop ALS or multiple sclerosis or something, okay, well, let's just take off all your limbs and put digital limbs on there that are controlled by your mind, you know, so that you don't experience the effects of these diseases and things like that. And the idea is to live forever, which first of all, would just really stink. I would hate that living forever, but cause life is great, but like, after like a hundred years, like yeah. it's kind of boring. I don't know. It's a scary thought. That's a weird thought. Yeah. 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 But kind of that idea of the antichrist. So do you think they're alive today? I'm, I'm curious if the antichrist knows they are the antichrist. Mm. I've, cause I, I've thought about that before. Like, is it, if, if in that, you know, that idea that it's a, like a, a movement sort of, do, do they know that they started it? That's a good question. You know? It's a very good If question. it were Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> does. I think they could be alive today. Yeah. With what we're seeing, I just feel like society is changing rapidly. And it's just more and more pulling God out of everything. This culture of death, you know, we're in control. There is no moral law anymore or natural law. It's like what we decide. Um, yeah. I don't think things are looking good, you know, and I, I just really think that they can change a lot faster than maybe we thought or would have thought. Well, just imagine 10 years ago, could we ever foreseen what we are experiencing now? 
2011. I mean, goodness gracious. Father Joseph, do you think the end of the age will happen while we're alive? I think a big part of it we'll, we'll, experience, we'll experience. Um, and particularly that brings us to the next piece of this puzzle, which is the warning. Have you ever heard of the warning? Yes. And this one, this one might happen with, within our lifetime. Is that the, uh, also called the illumination of conscience? Yeah. Everybody like it's, almost, I always thought it was like, everybody gets like the second chance almost sort of everybody understands, uh, within themselves what they've done and yeah. their position with God maybe. Yeah. A, okay. Yeah. So then yeah, I so guess, my yes, understanding is the world is going to stop and we will all have an illumination of consciousness where if you are, if you, if you were to die in that moment and you were going to heaven, you'd experience heaven. If you're going to purgatory, you'd experience purgatory. If you're going to hell, you'd be burning as if you were in hell. Uh, it lasts about 15 minutes long. And when I've heard this talked about, it's like, if you think you're in an airplane and the airplane isn't going to stop, it's going to stop. That'd be wild. The entire world is going to experience this. Freeze frame. At one time yeah so then we all know <laughs> that god is real <laughs> and uh where you're headed so i think after that there's about five weeks until the second coming something like that and yeah it's some, the confessionals are going to be packed the priests are going to be stuck all day long please make me a sandwich <laughs> you've said that bring before me <laughs> yeah uh so i think about that a lot like oh my gosh what is that going to be like and yeah. Trying to get myself to a state where I can just like not fall into mortal sin. So I'll be good <laughs> whenever that happens, you know? But yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of a wild idea. And it, it's, it's, it comes... is, it, is it biblically sound? Is this, uh, I mean, I, I, again, I haven't read uh, Revelation in depth, you know? So is it is it alluded to in scripture? Or even not right. It is. It is alluded to. Um, It's kind of some of the more recent apparitions, particularly the one in a small town in Mm -hmm. Spain called Garabandal uh, in the 1960s, was a little bit more explicit about it. But you can read it in the writings. uh, Like for example, when Simeon takes Jesus in his arms, he talks about how the hearts of all men will be um, made clear. I'm blanking on the exact reference, but uh, thoughts of all will be revealed. And some of the other saints, like St. Edmund Campion wrote about it, and some other saints. Um, There's some saints in the 4th century that talked about this illumination of conscience. I think it's also important to uh, share what Jesus said to Sister Faustina. Oh, yes. So I'm going to read. So write this. Before I come as the just judge, I am coming first as the king of mercy. Before the day of justice arrives, there will be given to the people a sign in the heavens of this sort. All light in the heavens will be extinguished and there will be great darkness over the whole earth. Then the sign of the cross will be seen in the sky and from the openings where the hands and the feet of the Savior were, were nailed will come forth great lights which will light up the earth for a period of time. This will take place shortly before the last day. Hmm. Wow. So that's St. Faustina in 1930. Yeah. Oh, sometimes I like, I can't wait for that when I try to talk to people that don't have faith or don't believe in God and you're just like hitting a brick wall and I know I can't like reach people through the truth. Like that's become evident, right? Mm-hmm. I think we can reach people through beauty and maybe through me just like living as a joyful Catholic person that they'll like maybe be attracted to that or something. And like that might open their heart, but, um, there's the truth right there. And it's like, you could live in denial, but one day Jesus is coming. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be blatantly clear. Yeah. The truth remains true, whether you believe it or not. Exactly. 
And, you know, Flannery O'Connor, who was a great Catholic author from the 1950s in, in the South. You're familiar with her? Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's great. And one of the things she said, she said that when men hear well and see well, they can distinguish different colors and can hear soft sounds. But when men are blind and deaf, they need to be shouted at. And it's kind of the point that we've gotten in our culture that I think we're so deaf to the truth that, you know, when you hear a good sermon or when you even, you know, encounter reading a good spiritual book, a lot of times it just goes over people's heads because they're just so deaf so blind. They need God. God needs to just shout. It's got to get our attention. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like the, uh, when people bring up like the problem of pain, you know, in, in, uh, you know, how could God exist if there's so much pain? I believe, uh, I believe it's C.S. Lewis, but it might not be. I think it is C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. That he says, you know, God whispers in our joys and speaks in our, our normal, you know, our everyday life, but he shouts in our pain. Yeah. He is shouting. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that that whole idea of of God <laughs> making it so clear, so obvious. Uh, I mean, what a gift that is, though, right? It is a gift. Did, what was the exact quote he said? What the King of Mercy is that? What he said? Mm-hmm. There you go. It is mercy. Total, totally, because yeah. he could have just come and ended it. Boom, done. <laughs> Wherever you are, you are. Yeah. But there's going to be a chance for us to see where we are and make a change. Yeah. He holds us in existence right now. He didn't, he doesn't even have to do right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think uh, things are going to get very tough before the end of the times, right? Like the Bible talks about earthquakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we're already seeing so many different natural disasters. Sure. You know, crazy storms, hurricanes, flooding, all this destruction. And uh, we don't know what's coming, you know? There could be things like that we've yet to see, right? That really cause a lot of damage, destruction and death. Mm-hmm. But we can't live in fear, right? Amen. Have to remain hopeful Amen. for Christ and trust in him. One of the things I've, I was think, thinking during last summer when we were seeing a lot of wildfires and things is that, you know, of course, the people who are secular say this is man-made climate change. And I agree with them, but for a different reason. It's man-made because as human beings, we are supposed to be the stewards of creation. And when we are, are disordered in our hearts, that will have an impact on the order of creation. So it's not so much pollution as it is the pollution in our own souls, the, the sin that we are kind of wreaking upon creation, not just, you know, okay, strip mining, but more than that, it's like our lust and our greed and our envy and our pride and our, all of the, the vices that we have that's causing the, such the earth to just revolt against uh against what we're doing to it i don't know just some thoughts yeah <laughs> no, no I, that makes a lot of sense to me i think it's just like the you know you focus a lot on fear of the end of the world but it's such an opportunity like the more i'm thinking about it as we're talking here um it's really just an opportunity to like in heaven ultimately what like our sort of, I guess, capacity for love for God is only going to be as as big as as what we develop on earth, right? So it's like, you don't want to wait until the last minute. That is a mercy for him to, you know, like give sort of that illumination of conscience. But it's it's like, wow, I'm like, it's, it's such an opportunity to think about like, what can I do in my everyday life, you know, to, um, to love God more, to trust in his will and to conform my life to his. Um, Amen. So yeah. quick, so quick question. Last question: mm-hmm. Is it spiritually helpful to reflect on the coming, the second coming of Christ? Yes. Yeah, I yes. think so. It should be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think even this conversation, <laughs> yeah, was helpful. Good, you know. Good, and I hope you listeners also found it helpful as well. That we are called in every age to be vigilant, 
looking for the signs of the times, as Christ tells us to be to be aware and to be awake. Also, not to worry, but rather to put our trust in him, trust in his mercy, and to make sure that our lives are living upright so we can welcome him and not run in fear when he comes as king of glory. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on 1350, Veritas Catholic Network, and you can 1350 AM, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. God bless you.